Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm here with Jennifer Griffin Scotton, who's the Director of Marketing at Brooks Pierce. Jennifer, great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for having me, David. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your firm, if you don't mind. Sure. I work with firm leadership to develop and implement strategy for our client development efforts. And I really focus on elevating brand visibility through integrated marketing activities like public relations, external communications, digital and marketing for content, and advertising and business development. And I also work with my lawyers one-on-one to coach them on effective business development and relationship building strategies. That's actually the favorite part of my job. Brooks Pierce is a full-service business law firm, and we have offices in Greensboro, Raleigh, and Wilmington, North Carolina, with about 100 lawyers. We have a particular focus in media, legislation, mergers and acquisitions, banking, corporate finance, real estate, employment, and complex business litigation. We have a rather unique setup at Brooks Pierce in that we don't have formal practice groups. While we do have areas of practice, firm leadership has really always felt that exposing our lawyers to all of the sophisticated areas of the law with which we deal helps to build more well-rounded lawyers. We like for everyone to do a little bit of everything, at least until they build their practice, to get to that point where they've developed a niche. That makes sense. Start broad and work your way toward uh, a specialization that you can ultimately market effectively, right? Exactly. And it really helps us to build a cohesive practice and ensures that we can be nimble in the way that we staff our cases. Yeah. While we were preparing for this interview, you mentioned the a shift that the firm is making toward an ROI culture. Can you say a little about that now? Yes. So I've been very fortunate to land at Brooks Pierce during a time when it seems like the mindset of the firm has shifted to a more business development focused culture. As the director of marketing, that's been great for me. One of the most exciting and effective things that I think we've done here at Brooks Pierce was to restructure a good deal of our marketing budget to help better illustrate return on investment. At the same time, it really helps us with a great deal of flexibility throughout the year so that we can undertake new opportunities. Even if it hasn't been something that we've budgeted for, we now have that flexibility. Traditionally, we really had a conventionally structured marketing budget. We had buckets for sponsorships and buckets for advertising and buckets for client entertainment. And all of our, all of our marketing and business development expenses had to come from this one budget. But what we ultimately ended up with was a great deal of opportunities that weren't providing as much return on investment as we would have liked. Sponsorships and things like that that just weren't providing the return on investment. You are in good company on that front. I think just about every law firm we work with is in the process or has been in the process of reducing the monetary investment that they're making in sponsorships that just don't pay off or reducing the amount of time that they spend on on rankings that are also more politically or uh, egotistically motivated than motivated by ROI. Exactly, exactly. And what we were experiencing was that a lot of our funds were tied up in areas where we didn't really need them. And then we had opportunities that had arisen throughout the year and we couldn't provide the funds to the lawyers to undertake those opportunities. So we took really a holistic look at how, where, and why we were spending our funds 
to figure out exactly where we could redeploy our existing resources to better fit our needs. The first thing that we did was establish individually directed marketing accounts. We call them IDMAs. Each lawyer has a set amount of funds for the year, and I have different amounts for partners versus our of counsel and our government relations professionals and our associates. We have a set of guidelines around how the lawyers can use these funds. What it's done is given the lawyers the ability to measure their own ROI each year on how they're spending these funds. So for instance, if they have used these funds to become a member of a trade organization and they found themselves not attending that organization, they can use those funds for something different next year. You know, maybe they take a client to an event and build the relationship that way. Whereas if the funds had been budgeted the same way they used to be budgeted, they wouldn't have them to spend. So it's, it's helped ensure that our lawyers have some skin in the game when they make requests for large monetary allotments from the marketing budget. So the partners are actually assessed at the end of every year in terms of whether or not the allocation of their IDMAs generated an ROI to the firm? Well, they assess it themselves. Each year at the beginning of the year, we do a lawyer marketing audit. And at that time, we provide them with a list of how they spent their IDMA last year so they can figure out, they can kind of budget it for this year. And if there were things that they did the previous year that didn't provide much more return on investment, they can decide not to do that this year. They're allotting their own budget for the next year. Can partners pool their IDMAs if they wanted to get together and and work together on a particular initiative that they thought would make a good case for ROI? They absolutely can. And one of the things that they can do is if there is a sponsorship opportunity or if there is a client who is hosting some sort of trade organization event and they ask the firm to support, if the lawyers truly believe in that, they can pull together their IDMA funds and provide the support for that event or that client or use it however they like. But that way, we, we don't have those funds tied up elsewhere in the year so that we can take advantage of the opportunities as they arise. Okay, well, that's one great example of how you're shifting to an ROI culture and how you're keeping that concept top of mind with your individual lawyers. I understand that your firm recently won a Your Honor Award based on an initiative that also had an ROI component. Can you talk about that? We did, exactly. So another thing that we have done with our our marketing budget in reframing it like this is created a bucket for practice initiatives. And the practice initiatives, any lawyers in the firm can request to form a practice initiative. They just have to get together, discuss. They put forth a written, a written plan, and I'll give a great deal of assistance in helping to structure the plan with them so that when they present it to the client development committee, they don't meet a bunch of opposition when they go to present it. But they put together the plan. They present it at the client development committee meeting. We excuse the presenters, and then we vote on which initiatives should be supported. It's also important to mention that for each of these practice initiative plans, when the lawyers submit a budget for their practice initiative, a percentage of that budget has to be given from all the participating lawyers' IDMAs. So, for instance, if the practice initiative itself is $5,000, around 10% of that has to be given from the lawyers' IDMAs. And we found that to be effective such that the lawyers have skin in the game. So they make sure that what they're asking for from our budget is really warranted and that they're going to execute on those plans throughout the year. And this year, we actually had more initiatives than we could support. So I had to go back to each of the practice initiatives and help them reconfigure their plan to make sure that we were concentrating on the opportunities that might have the greatest return on investment. 
And to, to your question with the initiative that actually led to us receiving a Your Honor Award this year, that was part of one of our initiatives. And it was actually a business development event wherein we sponsored um, this, this trade conference. And we had an on-site legal clinic as part of our sponsorship. So we created a landing page online where they could sign up before. We did all the conflicts checks. We discussed some things with them up front to be ready for the on-site legal clinic. And then we also had some people that signed up at the event. So, of course, we still had to clear conflicts for that. But what that led to was direct revenue generation from a sponsorship at an event as part of one of our practice initiatives. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about this because I think marketing and BD departments in general are certainly cognizant of the concept of ROI and they mean well in terms of making sure that the marketing and BD allocation is ultimately generating a return to the firm. But there's a lot of fuzzy math in there. There's a lot of good intentions. There's not necessarily a lot of circling back on the idea to make sure that everything did, in fact, generate that return. You know, one of the things that we started doing at the company is generating regular ROI reports to our clients. So whenever they're licensing one of our products, whether it's Practice Boomers or Practice Pipeline or, or any of the others, they'll receive a fairly regular ROI report where we say, okay, here's what your utilization has looked like. Here's how much revenue has been reported through the tool. Here's how much you spent initially, and here's how much more you've gotten. And first of all, it keeps us honest, right? Like we know that we're going to hold ourselves accountable to being ROI-oriented service providers. But I think it also helps the marketing and BD department then go back to leadership and say, oh, look, we lobbied for this expenditure and it actually turned out to be a pretty good idea given this ROI report. Now, it sounds like you're doing something similar at the firm in terms of reporting the ROI back to leadership. Can you talk about that internal ROI report that you're going through? Yes. We generally have the practice initiatives report on any updates at each of the client development committee meetings. And we meet pretty much every six weeks. So in addition to those reports every six weeks or those updates every six weeks, we twice a year will have a presentation to the firm's management committee and the partnership to say, here are the initiative, the practice initiatives that we're undertaking this year. Here are the goals. Here's where we stand. And then again, at the end of the year, each of the practice initiatives will submit a report that talks about whether or not they met their goals and also shows the return on investment. And for each of those practice initiatives, the return on investment can be completely different. For some, it's, you know, did we retain these key clients that this initiative was aimed at retaining? Did we strengthen a relationship? Did we get referrals? Did we generate some revenue, as in the instance of our example earlier? So it's, it's different for each one. But in addition to their reports at the end of the year, when, when we're making those presentations to the partnership on a a twice yearly basis. We also include a dashboard of information to just kind of show where we stand and give them a, a, a good picture of, of what we're doing in the, each of these initiatives and how it's all coming together and how it fits with the firm's marketing strategy and how it ultimately fits with our business strategy. Hmm. Now, we know that there are some marketing initiatives that are easier to track ROI to than others, right? So, one of the ones that I know you're engaged in as a business development coaching initiative. Now, coaching is one of those things that can be, you know, somewhat intangible. It's certainly experiential. It can be difficult to tie ROI to it, although certainly not impossible. So how do you find that you're able to tie ROI to your business development coaching 
efforts. Is that more managing just things like mindset or is there a way that you've figured out how to harness that as part of this regular report that you bring back to leadership? I think it's been a little bit of both. When we go through the coaching process with each of the coachees, we set goals for them for the year because their their coaching class is one year. And each month when we meet with them, we're double checking to make sure they're progressing towards their goals. And we also make sure that, you know, they're avoiding random acts of lunch and things like that. We want to make sure that everything that they're doing can be tied back to their goals for their, their coaching over the course of the year. And one of the biggest successes, aside from, you know, obviously new client successes and things like that, but one of the, the biggest benefits that I've seen is a shift in their mindset. So people who previously thought of it, of business development as a chore, are now thinking about, they just think about business development every day. And they think about business development and all they do. And I think that is the biggest barrier to entry is shifting the mindset into, oh, this is something I've got to set aside time for. And maybe I'll put it on my calendar. And I kind of put it off several times before I finally do something business development oriented to someone who is thinking about it every day and easily incorporating it into their daily practice. Have you seen the volume of business development proactivity and output and activity to be reflective of this mindset shift? I have. I have. We've had some great business development successes as part of our coaching program. And I'm really proud of everyone that's undertaken this and how I can see them applying it. In addition to just their their own successes in their practice, they seem to be now more apt to involve other of our lawyers than they might have been before they engaged in this business development coaching program. That sounds very satisfying. I can understand why this is uh, your favorite part of your job. It really has been, David. So tell me a little bit about your own development. Where do you go for inspiration? Where do you go to be coached, as it were? Other resources that you find are helpful as you craft your own professional expertise? Yes. First and foremost, I have to give a plug for the Legal Marketing Association. I'm in my fourth year of serving on the board of directors for the Southeast region, and I have learned so much from my colleagues being on that board. But most importantly, the relationships that I've built in in the Legal Marketing Association have been really important to me. And I consider my LMA friends to be really some of my closest friends. And I'm very fortunate to have found mentors throughout that organization in addition to the mentors that I've found throughout my career at my firms. But now I'm also serving as a mentor through that organization, and that's been incredibly rewarding. I always read BTI's Mad Clientist blog, and one of my legal marketing friends also turned me up onto the blog, Barking Up the Wrong Tree by Eric Barker. He also has a a book with the same title. It's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. But (laughs) that blog sells itself as how to be awesome at life. And I think it's really interesting, some of the psychology concepts that that he breaks down in a very understandable fashion. And I really enjoy reading that blog as well. But in addition to that, I really, really love listening to the Market Leaders podcast. And I have been listening to your podcast since you started. And it's been really interesting to learn from my colleagues nationwide, some of them, some of whom I have never met, but to hear how they're overcoming these challenges in their firms and figuring out which of those nuggets of information I can apply to what we do at Brooks Peers has just been really helpful. Well, I appreciate you including the podcast among your go-to resources. And I also appreciate you now being a part of that resource for the peers and colleagues that are listening to today's episode. So Jennifer, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for sharing the good work you're doing at Brooks Pierce. 
And it's a pleasure to hear about this ROI-oriented initiative. I wish you the best success with it. Thank you, David. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.